0: You're listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now here are your hosts, Alan Schneider. What am I supposed to do? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Brandon Jaggers. I don't know. Just say something about uh concert tour. And me, C C brought us.
1: No, I didn't even see that race.
0: Body to episode number 123 it's the auxiliary gate podcast i'm cc brought and i'm joined fresh off his last session on tiktok live alan schneider
1: wouldn't that be something who in the hell would want to see that right my god some of that shit is pretty funny though on there i got so
0: yeah i just went down the tiktok live rabbit hole the other night oh really and it is deep let me tell you okay what you see? A lot of people. A lot of people like to uh, broadcast their lives
1: on the Were air. Were you one of them? Did you Did you do it?
0: No, nobody wants to see that. Uh, okay. See
1: anything interesting?
0: Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Leave it at that. <laughs> it's a whole new world out there. I'm. I am just. I've, I've aged out.
1: I'm behind the times, brother. I'm behind the times. But I did say my wife, my daughters finally got me on their TikTok not long ago. But it is pretty funny, some of the stuff. I will admit that. Some of yes. Some of it. Some of it. Agreed, some of it. Uh, it's, a young, it's a young person's world.
0: That's true. That's true. I was looking uh, this morning. This is the 20-year anniversary of the Fix 6 scandal. It is, then, isn't it? That affected the 2002 Breeders' Cup at Arlington. And uh, that, it's a pretty fascinating story, in my opinion, that uh, that whole deal with uh, the guy that with the, the three fraternity brothers at Drexel University. And one of them worked for, I believe, an OTB or one of those software companies. He he helped design the software at like age 29 that uh, all of these wagers ran through, these telephone wagers would go through and he found a i mean he had access to everything he had the passwords and everything he he had the uh a loophole that he could alter bets uh during the during a sequence and he basically uh got in cahoots with two of his friends and i think they placed the wagers on on these uh first time they tried it was i believe at Balmoral in illinois right about i think is in illinois yes i believe in chicago yeah. and they i think they hit a pick six there and then they hit another one at belmont or aqueduct or something like that but the second one they hit was for about a hundred thousand dollars and uh, as as criminals often do they get greedy
1: they got greedy that's correct they yes got
0: so what what they could do what what they were doing is one guy would call in a wager and he would you know, over the telephone, he placed the wager. The the wagers were never recorded. The telephone call was never recorded. But the wager of course was entered into the system. And then maybe four races into a sequence, the 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 guy, I think his name's Chris Horn. Chris would would uh download the uh the you know, the, 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 the bets, the live bets would come through around the fourth fourth leg of a pick six and then he would change the sequence of those bets and then the last two legs he would just go all with all so on uh breeder's cup day this guy uh he got greedy they all got greedy so his buddy punched in a pick six ticket and it cost like one thousand one hundred ninety six dollars
1: that's so, not crazy. That's not crazy for a Breeders' Cup Pick 6.
0: Yeah, hold on though. It gets it gets screwy. This is where they they messed up. So, of course, Dome Driver upset Rock of Gibraltar to win the opening leg of that Pick 6 with Who I Breeders bet that
1: day. That's what I remember about the days. I bet Dome Driver. You had but Dome enough patting myself on the back. Go ahead.
0: 35 to 1, right? I it's
1: twenty twenty five 25 to 1 I 27, 27 to
0: 1 maybe. Yeah, something like that. It was for uh, Rock of Gibraltar. Flaxman Holdings, they owned mm-hmm. that horse, but it was a, it was a big upset. Rock of Gibraltar was probably even money, something like right. that. He was a big 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 time miler at 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 that point. So yeah, so so probably ninety percent of the pick six pool was knocked out in that first leg, and then you go on. I think uh, Vindication was in that for Baffert. He was in that uh, sequence. Starring won for Bobby Frankel won the Philly Ameritur thirteen.
1: High Chaparral Shep- was in that, wasn't he? Right, that
0: comes later. I, I'm I'm drawing a blank on on the second leg, but it was like Ori- a four, orientate. Four is that
1: orientation? orientate?
0: That was the second leg. Orientate and starring at thirteen to one, and then the fourth leg was vindication in the juvenile. So this is the point when all the the data comes through, all the live tickets. So this guy changes the the data, and what he does, he changes this guy's ticket to basically single. By single, by single, <laughs> by single, by all, by all. High Chaparral wins the next leg. I think he was a heavy favorite, nine to five, two to one. Beat with anticipation, I believe, in the turf. And then the main event comes, and this is where it all gets blown out of the water. Valpony won the race at forty to one. With Jose Santos for PG Johnson.
1: I did not have that one.
0: There's no chance in the world I'd had that horse. And, you know, he beat uh, Medallia Doro. Milwaukee Brew was in there. War Emblem was in the race, the Derby winner. It was a decent field, not a great field, but still pony wanted it 40 to 1. So they announced the results. There was $3 million in the pool. There were six winning tickets. And
1: they had them all.
0: $400,000 each, roughly, thereabouts. I don't know the math. This one dude that called the, the wager in had all six winning tickets. When he played his original bet, he didn't just play a $2 pick six. It was $2 was the minimum. He placed that same ticket six times. So he had a $12 wager. And that ticket that they, they
1: fixed paid over $2 million.
0: And he would have hit it had
1: he just fed it for $2 too, right, if he'd, he'd have had it for one time, correct? If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I may be wrong about that. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, later on, his defense was, well, I just fat-fingered my phone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So instead of $2, he placed it for 12 He's like, eh,
1: eh, oh well. You yeah. know, I I I wish I had a nickel for every single, 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 single uh all all pick six i've had where i start off with a 27 to one shot and then knock down 13 to one shot i mean that's pretty impressive handicapping (laughs) yeah
0: well i mean one of two things that when dome driver won the mile they probably should have called the way should have just let it go yeah a or b they shouldn't have got greedy you know should have played it for two dollars yes and, you know, if Valponi doesn't win, if if Medallia D'Oro wins, they probably get away with it. And there's, you know, they they may still be doing that to this day.
1: Agreed. I and mean, if well, once Dome Driver wins, then it's just, that's telling you to just fit at one time, right? Because Dome Driver's automatically just blew up because he beat a heavy favorite in the opening leg. So no matter what happens the rest of the way, you're going to be in pretty good shape, right? They, and all they, you they, need is just a touch of chaos, not real chaos, for a, a big payday. So, yeah, they, that was just stupid, right? Well,
0: that's that that comes with you know they were they were very very smart people smart kids obviously to graduate from Drexel right but they were just green to the industry you know yeah they they should have known right off the bat that that horse was a long shot and probably you know to to get us to get four singles in a row it was going to raise some flags but yeah. uh yeah that uh, didn't have a happy ending for those guys uh Chris Harn, the guy that orchestrated the the scheme actually uh uh, they they offered him a deal if he would turn in the other two, and he did, and he only had to serve one year, even though he tried to heist two million dollars out of a out of. A are they, mutual, what to the board? other guys?
1: Are they the deal? other guy
0: served like three three years and four years or something like that. some some along those lines, roughly three wow. years each. Wow, but uh, yeah, they uh, the guy tried to defend his wager, saying you know. Well, I like Dome Driver. He was from Ireland and the turf was a little soft, had give in it. And so I think me, a lot of people bought it at the time. Like, yeah, okay, that's you know, this guy knows a little bit of what he's doing. But uh
1: But you're also gonna, yeah, you're gonna get interview requests. When people when people know that you have it, you're gonna get interview requests, Hey, how did you hit for that for two million or whatever? Your people are especially you know, because the ticket, well, I guess the ticket was only a thousand dollars, they're gonna wanna know, so you know, you, you guys better have your story straight, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, fast forward to today, you just don't hear much about how tickets were hit anymore, which I think is sad, because, you know, we're the watchdogs of this stuff. I think, uh, you know, I mean, I think it was last summer at Del Mar, I mean, it was like every every time they had a carryover in the pick six, uh, the elite turf club would always win win the carryovers when when they were just ridiculous, you know, and... To Delmar's credit, they would release the amount of the ticket. You know, they would say, "Well, this was a twenty-eight thousand dollar ticket." It paid one ninety or something like that. But they never would show that, let us see the tickets. And I thought I, I think that's disappointing. I think uh, a we could learn a lot from reading these tickets, and b you know we we can maybe call out something that's a little fishy.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I, I would definitively agree with that. But uh there's there's some shady things going on in this sport. Have you ever noticed that before?
0: you know what i don't know i just i i I turn a blind eye to that stuff i just like Mm -hmm. to enjoy the enjoy the 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 fashion
1: so if you can you maybe hook me up with four straight singles on a pick six ticket that's the case of me i'll go in 20 bucks with you what do you have you got four in a row for me this year well
0: as a matter of fact i do that's coming next week in our uh, special uh, breeders cup seminar oh really the the breeders cups coming up next friday and saturday of course if you're living underneath your bed you you may not know that but i, I think the rest of the world does so uh, we'll have a seminar early next week and and tune into this channel we'll have a uh, more winners than you can shake a stick at
1: i'm not going to go that far i mean i tell you that with the breeders cup people it's the same thing with the derby people have a tendency to over handicap taking too much information right they overthink if they want to get started too early they get burnt out blah 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 i would just suggest man you know Go over it. Go over it and go over it solidly, right? But don't, man, don't overthink it for 11 straight days, right? Man, get your ideas, see the post draw, fine tune them, watch, see how the track goes. I just, I just think sometimes people just, just go complete overkill and stuff, but, uh, let's, we'll, we'll try not to do that. But again, we're going to be the only podcast with any Breeders Cup stuff on. So I guess someone has to do it, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: if there's going to be overkill, let us do it. We'll handle
1: it. <laughs> Yeah.
0: All right. So uh we've got a special guest tonight, Mr. Kevin Kilroy Fairgrounds. He's gonna join us here momentarily. And uh excited to have him on. Um uh, relative newcomer to the T V analyst position.
1: But man, he's good. Hey, I told you know, I'm pretty I, I withhold the plaudits for a lot of those guys or whatever. I'm I, but he's one of the ones that really, really has impressed me. I'm I'm not just saying that uh the little from what I watch of the fairgrounds. Guy's really good, so I'm excited to talk to him.
0: All right, well, I believe he's ready to go. So without further ado, here's Mr. Kilroy.
1: Yeah, you got it there, CC. Uh, Kevin Kilroy joins us here. He's uh, gained notoriety, acclaim, and respect as the honor analyst alongside Joe Christofek at the fairgrounds in New Orleans, Louisiana. He also showcases his talent and his passion via the written word for several publications, including Twin Spires Edge. You can trust your luck. He'll give you several big prize winners in Louisiana because his handicapping is as sharp as his signature chapeau and his kick-ass beard. And <laughs> with, as I mentioned a moment ago, it's Kevin Kilroy. He joins us this evening. Kevin, how you doing, buddy?
2: Oh, I'm doing great, Alan. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And that intro was uh, – that was nice. I might have to steal that, type that up, and uh, put it on my bio.
1: You do that. You do that. That should get you some looks there or whatever. And uh, by the way, where are you calling? Just so people know, where are you calling us from right now?
2: Kansas City, Missouri, home of the Chiefs. Um, home of the
1: Ch- big Chiefs fan. Big Chiefs fan, I guess. I,
2: it, you know, I'm I'm not as diehard as the people around here. It's it's crazy. People people live for it here. I don't know if if, if everybody knows, but Arrowhead Stadium is is just it, it gets nuts. I mean, it's almost. So crazy that uh, bringing my kids there is not the best idea. So I, I'm not that die hard, but uh you know I, I'm from Kansas City, so I, I, I bleed, bleed Chiefs, bleed Royals, all that good stuff. And it's easy when they're winning to love them, you know.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny because I, I've spent time in Kansas City, and I used to have, my wife had family there, so we would go there in the last several years and visit. And and one of the things that struck me about that area is where the Chiefs play, and where the Royals play, is in one gigantic parking lot one gigantic yep. asphalt parking lot and they are they're right next to each other i mean maybe they might be i don't know a quarter mile apart half a mile apart and the whole city we were there during the summer so everything's blue right because it's royal yeah. blue and then there's the contrast of everything's like kansas city chief red it's just blue and red everywhere you see uh i found it fascinating i mean they love their sports teams there don't they
2: yeah sports sports is everything here you know it's just uh grew up just uh um, you know, if it's not college basketball, it was the Royals or the Chiefs. And, um, if, if you can't talk sports, you really can't, uh, talk with a lot of people socially around here. So, you know, with the, with the Jayhawks, uh, down the road in Lawrence, um, mm-hmm. we just, uh, you know, surprisingly, you guys get it. You're Kentucky people. Oh, basketball, yeah. Oh, yeah. Basketball is it for us, really. That's, that's my main sport. Um, moved on to the NBA a little bit from my, from my passion for it, but, uh, basketball is huge around here.
1: I would add one other thing that struck me about Kansas City, and of course of a fantastic city.
2: It's hot as hell
1: there in midsummer yes.
2: right it's wow it yeah it's it's that crossroads weather you know sometimes we get that Arctic stuff from the north and sometimes we get get the heat from the south, but it gets humid here, um it gets dog hot it's just the summers can be a little bit rough, but uh but it's a good city, you know it's weird there's no there's no horse racing around here, so it makes it strange. I sit here in my office and uh you know, watch races and write about them, but there's nobody around who wants to talk about them. So that's always a little bit hard. Uh, so I appreciate you getting a chance to get on podcasts and that sort of stuff. Um, so thanks for having me on to talk horses because it's kind of kind of kind of lonely with the horses in Kansas City. We used to have Woodlands back in the day. Oh, I that's right. I went there once when they had wiener dog race, you know, Mother's Day, and I took my mom, you know, when I was eight or nine or something like that because we we had dachshunds growing up. But uh, that's all I ever saw of that. So there's always rumors that they're gonna. Fire back up, but uh, nothing's happened there.
1: So, I mean, before we get rolling on this, I guess I gotta ask: How does someone get so involved in horse racing? Living in the center of the country where there is none of that around, I mean, how do you just develop a passion,
2: an interest in it if you're in Kansas City? Yeah, I had I had no clue. I mean, I, I remember very clearly I was living in Colorado, and uh, a buddy of mine came up, came over to watch the or just came over, and he's like, "The Kentucky Derby's on." I'm like, "Well, whatever," you know. I, I wasn't <laughs> even inter- I was like, "Okay, you can turn it on." And, um, that's when I was like in my early twenties and I, I moved to Chicago and I started working at a, uh, a little deli slash pizza joint. And my manager there, uh, James Godby, he, uh, he's from Louisville, just right outside. And he, he's like, you want to go to the track and be and our other good buddy, the delivery driver at the place, uh, Dave Osborne. We're like, sure, we love to gamble. Let's go for it. So we headed out there and, you know, just fell in love with it, hit winners the first day, all that sort of good stuff. And and he knew enough to get us going on handicapping and, and get excited about it. And up in Chicago, went from Arlington Park and rolls around to Hawthorne in the fall. And, you know, when you get bit, you guys know. It's just yeah. – it's real, right? And so <laughs> – like from there, I just started going to the Chicago Public Library and started checking out books and reading all the good stuff. Um, you know, the Andy Byer and Stephen and Chris stories; those are so captivating. And you know that, but still, that was going on 18 years ago, something like that. So, it took a little bit for me to start taking it a little bit more seriously. The tournament stuff was huge. Uh, horse players that TV show was huge. I started doing the tournaments and and really. Uh, Trying to take it a little bit seriously. I, I tried to, you know, one summer I tried to, to make my money, uh, betting horses and, um, you know, I made like 3,000 bucks and it wasn't enough, right? Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I see back now that actually it was really, really, uh, pretty decent, but still just not putting enough through the windows. And, and then the tournaments, you know, that, that got me going and, and, uh, I have that, that ridiculous four gate story. You guys, did you guys catch wind of that when that happened? Four-gate. I don't think I know that story. Go ahead. No. All right. So, you know, they have the free tournaments, right, on horse players uh, for the NHC.
1: Mm-hmm. Right?
2: So, I, you know, I was teaching high school. I came back to Kansas City. I was teaching high school. And uh, I remember I put my picks in Friday afternoon before I left. And I didn't even think about it over the weekend. I came back on Monday and checked to see how I did in the tournament. Right. And when I put my picks in, I started looking. And I was like, oh, I like the four here. I like the four there. And I was like, shit, I'm about to have my fourth kid. All right, fours, so just put them all in and just, you know, closed my computer, went home for the weekend, looked on Monday. I was like, I'm in first place, but I'm tied with for seventh. I was like, am I in or out or what's going on? So seven of us had did all fours and the top <laughs> five get seats for the NAC. And, uh, you know, I immediately popped on Twitter to see all the backlash and all the hatred, you know, knowing that that was coming <laughs> and did a little bit of an apology tour and that sort of stuff. And, uh, uh, you know, PCF, uh, uh, for sale with uh, in, in, the, in the money media. He he reached out to me. He's like, you want to come on and talk about this? this? is ridiculous. And he thought he could just sort of, you know, get a good joke out of it and all that sort of stuff. And you know, so the the four gate stuff really sort of kind of brought me into it a, another level, going to Vegas, all that sort of deal. And then I made it. I made it the next year, legit, and was able to do well and, and, and cash. So that I think that helped prove my bona fides a little bit because uh, there's a lot of questions when somebody's just throwing fours out there, you know.
1: Four gate. I love that. <laughs> I guess you could've called it foreplay play or something else whatever, or whatever, fornicate. We go all kinds of stuff, but it could have uh, got
2: worse, right? It, it could have got, got worse. worse. I'll never forget when uh, you know, I met Ed and Rosa over uh, over the spring and you know, we we kept in touch and I I don't think it was I don't know, it was like maybe in May and we were texting. And all of a sudden he just realized, he's like, wait a minute, you were the guy? You were the forty eight guy? <laughs> I'll never forget his reaction. He was just, uh, his jaw dropped. He just thought it was so great, you know. So it's so ridiculous that that was
1: Small me. world, man, small world. Yeah. You know, that reminds me that, uh, you know, again, you work alongside Joe Christophe at the fairgrounds, right? And
2: oh, yep, yep.
1: And it, it, it dawned on me, does Joe only help uh select co-hosts who, who rock the stylish headgear? Because I was thinking about it. it and there's <laughs> you. And then Scott Shapiro, and his hat game is pretty strong too. So if, yep. if someone yep. wanted to apply for your gig in the future or as Joe's sidekick uh, with sporting a cowboy hat or a Sherlock Holmes one or a football helmet, would that be a wise
2: choice? I like highly, highly recommend it. I mean, it's all these guys with good hair, they love just hiring somebody who's bald next to them. That's always the play. Oh, okay. And that's that's okay. the play, right? So um, it was an easy pick with that. He's just like, okay, and he's bald done gonna, gonna hire him for sure <laughs> i love it i love it
1: i'll let cc take over but this is gonna be a lot of fun
0: all right kevin uh before we get down to business I, we, we want to talk a little breeder's cup uh but but first uh fairgrounds opens its meet on november 18th and they had a big announcement yesterday yeah uh, why don't you uh clue us in on what what fairgrounds is doing for the uh for the uh, betting public
2: yeah, for the people, right? This is, this is great news. This is what we always want to hear as, uh, as horse players. So, you know, our pick five, we've got two a day. It's going to be, uh, the takeout's been lowered down to 15%, which is, uh, which is just fantastic. You know, it's up to 25%, which is so good. So 15%. And we're introducing a new pick six with a dollar minimum. Um, no jackpot, anything, just a straight up Naira style. Uh pick six, that's fifteen percent as well. So we'll do one of those a day. And whenever there's carryover, we're we're shooting you know, hoping there's maybe a lot of carryover, that will just be uh fifteen percent out of that as well. So no hiked up well, takeout as we roll it over. I mean all the credit goes to I mean a lot of people are behind it, but, but I know that uh Gary Pomposato Junior uh, really wanted to make this happen, um, with this new role there at Churchill Downs of executive director of racing and, uh, you know, just a big, uh, a big thanks to him for, for pushing this forward. Cause I think it will just attract a lot of, a lot of attention to the pools and fairgrounds has got a lot of good stuff going on. Our purses are going up, you know, we've got the historical racing machines going on in Louisiana. So we're excited about that. You guys know how that goes in Kentucky mm-hmm. uh, and you know, every year we're just seeing it that, uh, You know, trainers are bringing their horses down to fairgrounds, uh, who they are really, uh, whether they're running them there or not, you know, their best horses are down there with them because the track is just so good for keeping the horses sound. The dirt comes from Mississippi, and there's just something about it that just makes it really good to run around. Um, and the three-year-old competition, the Derby Trail has been, has been amazing the past couple of years through there. You know, we got Epicenter, we got Hot Red Charlie, Mandaloon, all that sort of good stuff. The second place, uh, finisher in the last two have come from Fairground. So between that and the, uh, takeout stuff, uh, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just excited what's going on down in New Orleans.
0: I'd imagine that the, uh, turf course is going to be pretty popular the first several weeks of the meet because Churchill's only carting, like, 10, 12, 15 turf races during the whole month of November. So yeah. I, I would say you're going to get a lot of, uh, Churchill guys going to ship down, uh, mid, mid November to, to race on that grass course.
2: Yeah. We're hoping so. You know, I mean, it'd be great to see huge fields there. I love, I love turf racing. So, uh, um, that's one of the things I love to do with trip handicapping and all that sort of stuff. So I'm hoping so. And yeah, Oak Lawn runs, but they don't have any turf and, um, it'll be, it'll be good if those get going too.
0: All right. Well, let's uh, let's transition into the Breeders' Cup, which is not this weekend, but next uh, Friday and Saturday. Uh, uh, Kevin, you had a chance to look over the pre-entries that were announced yesterday.
2: Yeah, I've been I've been looking at them, you know. It was uh, it was the first time I watched that pre-entry show. I don't know if you guys watched that or have watched that before, but it gave me that selection Sunday vibe, you know. It felt like uh, (laughs) yeah, yeah, the the horses on the bubble and all that sort of stuff. The ones that didn't make it, didn't get didn't get selected, and and all that sort of thing, and the way they kind of announced them up. So it got me excited for it. I know there's still some things up in the air about which which horses are running and which. Races, um, but I, yeah, I've been looking it over. I've been looking at uh, the Thoroughgrass sheets are out for it, which has been something I've been using, having my back pocket recently, which has been super helpful. I don't know if you, do you guys use thoroughgraph. You ever checked that out before?
0: CC does.
1: I actually do not use them. I'm not saying I have anything against them. I just, I just like to trust my own judgment. CC's a big, big opponent.
0: I've got them right now. I've got the the, the same ones you got, so uh, yeah. I'd be interested
2: yeah. to
1: see. Uh, maybe we can compare notes.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think they're really great, except especially the uh, the patterns. You know, thinking about horses that are sitting on a big one. So I think that could be could be really helpful, especially with the the prices you get at the Breeders' Cup. So yeah, I've been looking them over, trying to get a get a feel for everything. Um, Flat line definitely makes it uh, hard to get too excited about. Uh, you know, pick five, pick six situation, depending on where they start, all that stuff out. But, uh, um, but the other races, I think there's, I think there's some things that could could make it good for for betting. You know, I think a uh, couple couple horses I'm excited to lean it lean on. What about the Friday? You get? Do you guys get get excited about the Friday? All the juvenile? Oh yeah.
1: Horses? Oh I, yeah. I think we're going to we go too. on
2: Friday. Oh, are yeah. you really?
1: Yeah. I think that's the plan as of right now. Yeah. yeah, I think those races are more overall. They're going to be more. You know. Uh, wide open right cuz we know what could potentially happen on Saturday and stuff so yeah i mean i love those races
2: yeah yeah i think they're they're pretty great for for getting prices on in the right years i think this year could be could be good so i'm excited about friday's card
0: well let's start there on friday anything specific that you want to lean on 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 that friday
2: card you know I, i'm against chocolate gelato we'll see what sort of i mean I imagine that chocolate gelato is going to be the uh the favorite there um I think she, uh, her figures are the best, right? Yeah, two back, right? That, uh, 92 buyer is pretty huge. Pledger horse hasn't, or I guess lost that uh, first one, but it's looked pretty good. So I'm against chocolate gelato. I feel like practical jokes, uh, um, one turn, one turn horses in, in my mind, you know, just not, yeah, not two turn horses. Right. So I think that's going to be, going to be difficult. I don't think that's definitely going to be reflected in the markets and, um, we'll see where, where chop chop goes and we'll see where, um. Uh, with Shagira goes, I think they're both cross-centered in the, uh, the turf as well, but those are two horses I, I think still have a trip, you know, uh, trip excuses the last one. Um, You're My Girl, that Terra Nova horse, from a thoroughbred perspective, that's the one. I mean, we've only got two races from, from You're My Girl, but, you know, overanalyzed Philly, you know, won the, um, what was that, the race that overanalyzed one, um, as a two-year-old with the best or Oh. Remsen, right? Okay, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was the Remsen. It was the Remsen. So I feel like there could be something there. You know, Rosario is on the last two, so we'll see where, where he goes. But you're my girl's interesting there. But I'm excited to play against Chocolate Gelato, I'm, and I'm excited to uh, play against uh, uh, what's our uh, our big guy from the West Coast, Cave uh, Rock. Cave Rock. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Really. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, I think thoroughbreds helping me see that. You know what he's been getting threes, right? Is what what he's been getting. And not a three win the race though. No, a three won't won't win. You don't think so? Blazing Sevens, I think, just had a three. Um, Curly Jack had a four, two back. Forte just had a two. Um, National Treasure had a three, and what uh, verifying? I think is sitting on a big one though. Is just a little bit short of that. Is that? I'm pretty sure. I'm just kind of real. real Reeling that off the top of my head, but from the third rep perspective, you know, I I don't think it's it's all his. And with these two year olds, you know, how much further up is he going to go? Is he going to run a, a flight line race? You know, and as a two year old, no. Where 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 can he go from from here? So seeing a horse that still has something to move forward into, I think is is a good play with these uh, two year olds. So um I think there you know definitely be the value to, to fade Cave Rock in there. And you know, I'm I'm not totally against him by any means. I think he can. He can run well and definitely uh, be, be in the money. But uh, on the win end, in the multi-race uh, bets, I feel like he's a, he's a play against.
0: Blazing Sevens outworked Jack Christopher the other day. Did he really? Go to the YouTube. Or, yeah, it was on YouTube under the Keeneland section. And uh, I mean, it, was, it was close. But, yeah, it surprised me. I thought Jack Christopher would blow behind But I think he's kind of urged to keep up with Blazing Seven. So, yeah, I, that's uh, i I'm like you, I was a little surprised when I opened up Theragraph the first time in Cave Rock. And, and like you said, several of them really fast, No, n- nothing, no advantages uh, in no. Any from, from any of them. So I, yeah, that did surprise me. Yeah. Just I thought. mean,
2: Tyler's tribe is not going to run in that race, right? Tyler's no. first pick is the turf, which I think is the right call, but threes as well for Tyler's tribe. And, um, uh, he's he's sharp at the gate and he's a huge horse i mean he he's he's something I, i like i like him in the uh the turf sprint but i'm so emotional about him uh i like picked up on him and started telling his story His tell him his story, um, before the, the uh, what was the gold juvenile at, at Prairie Meadows and talked to Tim Martin and he's, he's a great guy and, you know, got the whole story and, you know, it's such a good story with, uh, with the owner's nephew, right? I think his, his nephew Tyler who, uh, has had leukemia and just, just got tested cancer free and he's out of the hospital. So um, named after him, and so it's always hard when you have your emotions on it. You know, it's like picking the Jayhawks in the, in the NCAA's. You know, it's like, well, do I re- do I really think they're going to win, or if I just really want them to win? You know, but he's he's got a shot for sure in that turf sprint.
0: Let's talk about Saturday. I want I want to get into these big races. Uh, if it, it was up to you in the Classic, could you give me a morning line? Like, what well, what well, how do you see this shaking out? Obviously, line's going to be a heavy favorite, but where, where would he be on that morning line?
2: You know, I think you know what I think. Flatline will be bet to, which which is what I think of when I think of the morning line, right? I think one to five for flatline, right? Um, I I think I just can be hard to see him. I mean, he could be less, right? He he could be less, but I think I think one to five flatline. I think, I think the second favorite is going to be life is good around like four to one. I know Nick uh, has been. Teasing that maybe he's going to make him eight to one. Right. But I think he'll be bet down to four to one. I mean, he's he's got the figures and he wasn't cranked for that last race. And if any horse can beat fly line, isn't it the horse who might stay out in front of him? Right. The whole way. I mean, mm-hmm. possibly. Right. I think I could think people could could go down that path. But I think tape is going to be the one that takes a lot of money as well. I mean, backford horse. Um, has been so progressive and, you yeah, I see about five to one on table. I think Epicenter should be right behind that around six to one. Epicenter from Thoroughgrass you know, should take a step forward from the pattern and a step forward would be, would be something, right? Can it, can it win? I mean. Jeez, man i mean it would be amazing i would love to see flylon lose that race you know personally <laughs> because i'm just more attached to the other horses in the field i'm more attached to epicenter more attached to olympiad you know uh, life is good and who else might be you know i mean of course richie right everybody's me cheering for richie he'll get he'll get some money too that would be that would be ridiculous um if he was if he was flying late but uh yeah, if, if we just see flatline runoff, I think it'll we'll be a, a little bit of a shame because it's such a good, such a good year of uh, of older horses uh, um, entering into this, and you know, and three-year-old horses enter, entering into this. So, I'm I'm cheering for somebody to come after him, but uh, it's it's unlikely. What do you guys think?
1: Well, I want to ask uh, real quick. Do you guys think Rich Strike will go off at single digits or double digits? He may be double digits in the morning line. I think he, I don't think he'll take as much money as people think he will. But I mean, is is he will he be single digits at post time?
2: I I, I don't think so. But I think it'd be close. I think it's gonna be
1: around ten to one, eleven to one, something he, like that. That's what I'm thinking twelve to that that kind of ballpark or whatever. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I don't know. I do do I think flight line's gonna win probably, but you know I, I just think that the k rock I, I I don't really want to bet one to five. I think he might go. I might he may go off two to five is what I'm thinking. Yeah. Because that's just be too tempting to let hot rod charlie go off at 20 to one or let epicenter go off at eight to one right so that but you know i don't know what i'm going to do yet i don't know cc I, we'll find out when as we get closer right
0: well alan you and i talked about a long time ago i that coming off the one of the largest third graph figures ever given i always thought there was a chance that this horse could regress
2: yeah but he can uh, regress and still win
0: he that's that's a certainty he could regress and still win so yeah, yeah. i don't know i don't yeah know. maybe
2: that was just his giraffe number you know just, just sitting up there real high and uh it's just a lone one he'll he'll come back down i mean who knows I, I i don't i don't think so i think he's got another one in him but i i think i think you can tell yourself a story when you talk yourself into one of these horses i mean 126 buyer was it, eight negative negative eight thorough graph, right um Jeez, man! But there's a lot of speed signed on, right? We got, yeah. we got Life this good. Um, Hot Rod Charlie's gonna be up if he's gonna be running at all. Olympiad, he's sharp out of the gate. I think people don't don't forget that he he likes to sit right off that pace, and right. he's he's what I'm interested in because he does just gather more speed in the stretch. And I think he needs to stay close. I think we saw what happens when he's when he's too far right. off in, in the Whitney, right? But if he can stay up close to it. I mean, either he's going to be toast or he'll uh, he'll have something because, I mean, Alvarado talks about it after the races all the time that he just really gathers steam in, in the stretch. And that's why that's why Mott brought him down to fairgrounds in the first place to uh to run over the winter because we've got that long stretch. So, you know, Keeneland's a pretty long stretch. It's not quite as long as fairgrounds, but it's one of the longer ones for sure. So um, but he'll 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 keep things quick. Right. And Taba. He might have a good advantage for just being off of it, same as Epicenter. Epicenter is another horse I love running. Running his foes down in the stretch, he just seems to have that sort of will to win. Um, you know what, know what intrigues me about Epicenter? Up. You know yeah. what
1: intrigues me about him that I don't know if anybody's talked about yet. Well, Epicenter evolved as a racehorse as he went on. Right? He was initially yeah. a speed horse. Then he learned to stalk. Then he learned to come from off the pace. That's a really good tactic, a, a real a, a good arsenal to have in your back pocket in a race such as this in case flight line goes crazy and he can run him down for a second or in case they hook up and he can come from off the pace. He's probably not fast enough to stay close to those horses. So I would have to think he might stay back a little bit, but it doesn't, of all the horses in a race, it doesn't really matter where he's at. So there's a little bit of attractability. Uh, desirability to epicenter to me a little bit in the race at, you know, eight or nine to one. So that, that's what I kind of like about him. I'm not saying I'm going to play him, but I do think that horse has, has evolved into something that it doesn't matter where he's at. You, you just still get your best shot from the horse.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. I agree with you. I mean, what he's been in the exacto. All but his first you know, his first race there, yeah, nine out of ten times, he's, he'll get up there. You always worry, though, when horses get too far away from from the leaders. That it just kind of yeah. breaks your heart, crushes them. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. shit.
1: Best <laughs> way to crush that. a stalker is to outrun a stalker early. But it seems like he's learned to close. So, you know, he did a hell he didn't in the derby and just get, gets overlooked a little bit. He, he did come from seven right eight lengths back in the derby. So, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, life is good. Is interesting, too. I mean, he's never been behind at any of the calls, you know, he just hasn't. So there's no way send him? He, he's, he's send whole, him, right? all out, all out. Yes, all out to just let him, you know, dig in and find whatever. And I mean, if this is one of those races, that's just like uh is is just a a white knuckle, just like a adrenaline rush in the stretch. It's gonna be the best best races of all time. The, you know, I mean, if, if these right. guys are really close to each other coming down the stretch, it's gonna be a thrill. Even if it's just it's two of them. So, yeah. I can't wait to watch it, but it might not have to. Uh, might not be playing very much in the pools. We'll see. I don't yeah. know.
1: Does, does the card excite you at all? I mean, is it is it, a more than usual Breeders' Cup? there's some star power there, but I mean, there is a possibility. And again, just because we do if chalks. To win, you can still make money vertically, which a lot of people have the tendency to forget about. You can always, there's bad favorites, there's also bad second choices and bad third choices. That's where you make money in verticals. Are you excited about the the card as a whole? or Are you like, yeah, which is a little bit wagering
2: opportunity? Yeah, I'm pumped. I mean, I'm really excited about the, uh, um, the Philly and Mare Sprint, I think that, uh, is, is going to be a really good one. You know, there's so many horses that form there with CC. Uh, we'll see where that Japanese horse runs, whether, uh, it's here or, or going longer, uh, Chain of Love. But then you've got, you know, Echo Zulu, you've got Edgeway. Uh, what's that, uh, horse, um, Slammed, right? Who, who's yes. probably going to be in there or could be Ooh. going two
1: turns. You better watch I, out for that one.
2: Yeah. I feel like that's a horse, I mean, thoroughgraph wise should be, should be progressing moving forward. Sharp out of the gate, looked really good at Keeneland. Uh, it could set up great for obligatory. Obligatory doesn't lose in Kentucky, right? True. Yeah. I mean Bill Moss got that one. If there's a lot of speed there, obligatory could be flying late. Um if Latrusca's in there though, that's that's just gonna make everything fall yeah. apart, right? Latruska's yeah,
1: they'll stand just, like hell.
2: Yeah. 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 Latrusca so, will stand. Lady Rocket. I mean that that's it. Kamari, where's Kamari gonna run? I mean, where 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 did she come from? I remember she was as in the juvenile turf sprint, I was excited about her, and then I sort of like lost sight of her. But she's, she's one of the best runners out there, right? She might run against the boys, isn't that right? In the uh, in yes. the sprint, yeah. Yes. She stacks up well
0: with uh, Jack Christopher and Jackie's Warrior.
2: Yeah, I mean that race is going to be fantastic too. You know, the mile and the uh, and the sprint, um, but specifically the sprint. What do you guys think about that one? I mean, the sprint.
1: Spread yeah, no. yeah. Against Jackie's Warrior. I mean I, I haven't looked dug deep yet, but I I just know I'm against Jackie's Warrior. You give me Jack Christopher and Jackie's Warrior, I'm taking Jack Christopher. And I but yeah. I don't know who else is in the race, to be honest with you, at the moment.
0: That's a race. Yeah. That it's really going to come down to post position draw because I mean the the, the rail has been dead sure. at Keeneland in spread <laughs> races. And if you know Jackie's Warrior, Jack Christopher draws the rail, I mean you you gotta go against them right? You
2: fade them right?
1: You yeah. know, well, Jackie's Warrior had Drew inside last year in California, and we have a tendency to forget when he runs against top-notch horses. He, I mean, he ran the – he's over 2 in the Breeders' Cup off the board, twice in the Breeders' Cup, correct? Juvenile two yes. years ago. And yes. then uh ran inside and in, against the, not a very good sprint field last year, and he got rocked. He has, you know, the pace had something to do with it in the rail draw, but, you know, you're going to take a short price yes. for the horse. You know, that that's just me and, and
2: such. So, I mean, I will yeah. be against him. Yeah, I, I know. Last year, everybody was saying, or not everybody, but what I'm hearing is that he he was out of form. He wasn't himself that day. Um, of course, the uh, uh, it was it was fast and set up for a closer. But I think it just wasn't wasn't a day that he was he was feeling like running. So I bet I bet he's on top of that, and, and you can see he's he's giving him more time off. So I mean, if he's on the outside though, right? I mean, Jackie different Moore, story. Different story. Yeah, he's a different story. Um, I think Cody's wish is going two turns right and not in uh yes yeah it's going two turns the which he hasn't won way. going two turns he's all been a one-turn horse so he's
1: the consummate seven furlong guy right now those are the best horses to bet when you got a consummate seven furlong consummate one-turn mile horse you know what you're getting with those guys when they go to two turns like that keelan mile you just don't know so
2: yeah yeah i think i think he, he's interesting there and um man look what about Catalano? I, my prediction is Catalano is going to get one win in the weekend. I feel like Ooh. he's – I mean, he's just been – he's just been – you know, he, ha, he doesn't have the same numbers that he used to. I mean, at Arlington, he would win everything, right? But he's just got – a I think he's got a different uh prize in mind, you know? He, he – he got the win last year with Aloha West in the, in the Breeders' Cup, and I think he's just he's going towards this. With And the winner is, I think, is oh, a really live runner. Really good horse, yeah. yeah, I really like him. I, uh, to bet, I, yeah, I, just, like, the I just like how the horse
1: looks. Yeah,
2: yeah, mm-hmm. come up the pace with the way that turf horse was playing. I mean, it was all front runners. It was so hard and dry. Keeneland right off the bat. And he he lost ground out of the gate and still was able to close like crazy, going wide. So I think and the winner is could be one. I don't know if Aloha West or uh, Manny Wah is going to be the one, but I think Catalano's going to get one. He's going to surprise us. Cool, cool. One of the appetizers
0: prior to the Classic is going to be the Distaff. It's going to feature Nest versus Malathot and Clarier and Society. Any thoughts on that race? Uh, you, you, you gave us kind of a morning line on uh, the Classic. What about the Distaff?
2: Yes, the Distaff, I mean, I think I think Society is the, the wise guy horse, right, right is the one that uh, – um, we'll we'll take some money and we'll be a sort of the buzz horse and maybe be a little bit lower than you, than you want it to be. But I think society should be about five to one in the end. Um, closer to eight to one, I'd be excited to play society. I think Secret Oath will, will still take some money just because, you know, the coach, Oaks winner um, has that great, you know, sweeping move in the second term, but still, you know, I don't think Secret Oath has a chance really to beat these Phillies, but maybe like ten to one or so on Secret Oath. Search results. I don't know. I mean Chad Brown takes money but just hasn't proven that uh she can beat uh these the best of the best here and you know, but maybe society and search results could run off with it. But I think search results probably about a little bit higher than society, maybe eight to one. I think the big question is, is it nest or malathot and I was thinking Malathot would be the favorite, but looking at the thermograph figures, it, it, I'm leaning towards Nest. I'm, I'm leaning towards Nest to be around two to one. Malathot around five to two, and Clarier. I think is going to be people are going to sleep on Clarier, but she's got every, you know, she's 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 she this game. She beat Malathot, um when she was the stretch, out battling her, you know. Yeah. And then she had that excuse last time she bit her tongue or hit her hit her face and. You know, cut her tongue um on the gate and so I think she's gonna be she's gonna be the value in there, maybe around nine to two, something like that. I would I'd, I'd be interested to play a clear air around there.
0: So uh before we wrap up uh over the weekend, uh maybe well who's your most likely winner?
2: In Italian. Wow. Okay. Oh. That's
0: interesting. Going a mile and three sixteenths.
2: Yeah, just a little bit longer, right? I mean mile and eighth worked out okay. Uh but I think I think front speed's been good on the turf course. We'll see uh how how it, you know, continues to go. We had some closers win today, but uh I feel like she just keeps on finding more and I love I mean, assuming Rosario's on there, I assume. When he's when he's on the lead, I'm always pretty confident that he's he's gonna have horse coming for home and second off the layoff, I feel like she's she's beaten the best that's been out there. You know, the horses that are in form, you know, remember Bleaker Street and Technical analysis. Yeah. I mean, Regal Glory, all these horses, Wakanaka. I think I think it's it's in Italian, so I'm going to try to single there and build a build around there in my multi race picks.
1: That's a good that's a good one. You know, sometimes with these speed horses like that, people question whether they can get longer. But sometimes yep. the longer they go, the more they forget about them up front. They kind of the jockeys assume that they're gonna they're gonna stop, and then they just you know and they just keep going. And I can see that with an Italian. I like that. I like that selection.
2: Yeah, all those Euro horses, they don't have the gate speed, so they're just have kind of too right. much to do at the end, you know, and he will be able to, Rosario will be able to go slower and just probably slow them up out front and say, say Rivaderci,
1: right? Say yeah. Rivaderci down this <laughs> road. <laughs> I love that.
2: If, if, hopefully we get the call, uh, Kurt Becker has a little Rivaderci or whoever's calling it. And
0: which horse over the weekend are you excited to play against? Which heavy favorite?
2: Definitely, uh, Chocolate Gelato play against in uh in verticals and multi race and then cave rock play against in the uh in the multi race wagers and Then the rest you know i really feel uh you know i think it's just gonna be all about uh choosing the right spots to single you know to get some separation i think a race like uh like the turf mare turf is a good one because there's a lot of Euro horses there that people are gonna be nervous about and use. So and then try to use, you know, just all the formful ones that I can around that horse. Um because there's a lot of horses that I, I just don't see fading. Um, you know, maybe it's Cody's wish. I I think going to turns like we're talking about is one that I would probably want to play against. Um but uh Yeah, Cyberknife is pretty pretty exciting assuming that we're going in a mile there so i'd, I'd be excited about cyberdive there but uh yeah the, so those juveniles i think are the ones i'm gonna, gonna take the biggest swings against
1: well i was gonna ask you know some non-breeders cup stuff or whatever i was gonna ask you about your gig at the fairgrounds because i'm fascinated by that
2: oh yeah it's, um, it's, i'm it's, fascinated
1: it's, it's, i'm just fascinated by on-air analysts you know and uh over the course of any racing day when you're on air and this and that and and because you're you were new to it, because you were new to that gig this year or whatever, uh, what was the toughest part of parts about it? And that the, the guy watching at home may not think about that. You know what, I'm, what? What what did what was tough about it that you didn't think about? What was easier about it that, that that you didn't think about?
2: Yeah, I mean for me, I'm just such an outsider, right? Like here I am in Kansas City. Um, my buddies who I would watch races with in Chicago, you know, we weren't. You know, we weren't that deep into it and they had moved away. So I've been kind of solo with it for a while. So one of the hardest things was for me to just have all the lingo, right? I'm not a, I'm not a horse guy. I'm not uh, somebody who really knows what's going on. So I, you know, Joe K be like, you gotta know whether it's a Philly or it's a Colt, you know, and it's not I'm bad it's about a that. horse and all that sort of stuff. And, um, I kept on saying stupid things like, uh, um, like, you know, Tom Amos has a mount today, <laughs> you know, <as> opposed <laughs> yeah. To Tom yeah. Just, just, just using words wrong. So that was really hard. And then just, you know, when you're, you're in the room with the trainers and the jockeys and the owners and everybody, you know, they're, I mean, they're in the paddock, right. And hopefully they're listening. You never know, but people are watching on TV and, and so you just can't be quite as uh, uh, direct, you know, as you would as you're like, oh, you just toss this guy, you know, he's, he's really riding like shit, you know, something like that. You just, you can't, you can't say it how you would, you know, amongst your friends and all of that sort of stuff. So getting used to that was difficult. Um, and then, you know, when you're on air, getting your bets in being able to like be working, but also, you know, paying attention to how you want to build your tickets. That was a lot to, uh, to, to take on. So a lot of days I'd pick winners, but uh, not to come home a winner. Um, so hopefully I'll get a little bit better about that. Just have my, have my thoughts in line on my betting strategy in line the night before, as opposed to thinking about it the day of and all that sort of thing. But, but it's great, man. All the, all the thanks to to Joe Kay, you know, like I said, I'm an outsider. I did just coming out of nowhere and he uh he's he's the type of considerate guy who actually looked through all the resumes and and interviewed everybody and had us do on-air stuff and do stakes advances and really considered everything and he's you know the most creative handicapper to uh to come up with me from the pile you know i don't know who else was in there but i'm sure some people who had more experience and made a little bit more sense and would be uh would be bet by the public more than me you know Mm -hmm. So, um, so all the, all the thanks to Joe Kay for, for seeing that I could do it and bring me on, you know, it's, it's, it's just such a neat turn in my life and, uh, just feel so grateful and feel so, feel so lucky and I love it down there. I mean, I'm a big New Orleans fan. I love the culture and just, uh, the people down there. It's, I mean, really, if you guys haven't been down the track, it's just amazing. It's just the trainers and, and, you know, the jockeys, the owners, everybody's just, just, uh, just friends and, uh, hangs out and. And is uh, open and friendly, as, as most people in horse racing really are. I found, you yeah. know, it's, it's, a, it's a good, it's a good culture in that way.
1: Yeah, uh, I haven't been to the fairgrounds yet. I may go this year. We'll see. But I have been in New Orleans. It's a great town. Great town. And you also pen columns for Twins Fire's Edge, and you do the what? I think it's called "What's Caught My Eye" at Keeneland. Is that what you're doing of late? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah,
2: catching my eye. So just every yeah, every I, week, just just courses or performances. That uh, that have caught my eye, you know, and you know, not always just the the ones everybody else is talking about. Trying to find those yes. those horses that could be moving forward and all that sort of stuff. And my fighting oh, like strategy it. one that's been really been really good and uh, doing doing my Louisiana picks too. I've been been following Delta Downs recently, putting out some pick fives. So um, I just got kicked out of one while we've been talking here. Um, oh, for single. <laughs> I think I did single to the three there, right? It was I think it was the ten got it there. I oh, know. What are you gonna do? That's how it goes. Four out of five.
1: Well, i tell you what, I, I, I read the columns because, and I like, maybe because I agree with you on a lot of them. Maybe that's what it is, but I think you're a really talented writer. And since you did have the what's caught your eye column what, for, as a weekly thing at Keem, what, what what caught your eye as a whole at Keem on this meet? Anything in particular stand out to you, bias wise, horse wise, anything in particular, something you want to bet back, anything like one or two things real quick.
2: Yeah, I mean, definitely CeCe's talking about it with with the rail. I mean, horses have just been breaking so fast from, from the outside spots. So the outside yeah. speed has been huge, at, at the sprint specifically. And they've just been uh, – horses have just been getting pinned down there. It's just almost like uh, there's some gravity working against them. The horses are just coming out faster and, and getting to the rail really, really quick. So that's something to, to play back. You see a horse that uh, um, you, you need an excuse for. If they were on the rail uh, at Keeneland, then uh, you can uh, – you, you can move them forward from that. Yeah, Agreed. I think the turf course has been playing uh, playing friendly to, to the front. Um, it's I think it's been transitioning a little bit, but uh, I know some rain came in, I think that's going to help soften it up and make it not quite such a like running like a dirt course. Um, and then um, yeah, I'm trying to think performances you know that have that have come out of it. Um, wow. And the win and the winner is is definitely one that I think definitely. is something to be back to. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, well, you know, one last thing, we'll let you go and stuff. This has been, man, you really are good at this. Um, this,
2: <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, you're going to, yeah, you're, you're going to, you're going to be the analyst of fairgrounds for quite a while, if not further. Uh, but I did uh, see man, reading up, uh, reading up on you a little bit. Pop, pop culture is a real thing for you, right? And, uh, I, I respect that. So, I mean, would you ever want to write about that? And if so, uh, yeah. if so, what would you write about?
2: Your music, 100% I write about music, you know. But, yeah, I, I love writing, thinking about pop culture. And, uh, yeah, I, I taught forever. That's what I did before I, I um, uh, got into this job, you know, amongst other other things. But uh, always working in pop culture in my classes and doing humanities things. But, but music, you know, is is my big passion, you know. It's, hit me.
1: Is it stuff I even know or just are you a little more eclectic and stuff than the mainstream kind of guy like myself? or? I,
2: I think I'm pretty eclectic, but I like everything, you know? I mean, so – or I guess that that is eclectic. Is that eclectic?
1: I guess so. That's eclectic, I (laughs) guess. Yeah, (laughs) eclectic.
2: (laughs) But – I mean, let's see. I just went and saw a great band in the, uh, the Des Lawns, which is, is a New Orleans group. And do you like the band? The band, the band?
1: Robbie Robertson and those guys?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah of course, I, yeah. I love the band, right? So they're like the band. It's got three songwriters in there that are amazing, just amazing guys. Such true songwriters, true musicians. And uh, it's it's in that genre, you know, that sort of like – Country, folky, yeah. you know, rock and roll-ish, you know, all that sort of stuff. So the Lawns, which is a street in, in New Orleans, it's D-E-S-L-O-N-D-E-S. They're fantastic. I'm about to go see a guy named Kevin Morby here um, next week. He's a Kansas City guy. Uh, him and Waxahachie is his girlfriend, two people I recommend. They're in that same sort of vein. You know, I love that sort of stuff, that that folk, right. in, independent, rock and roll type of stuff. Um, but, yeah, music would be great. So if uh, if you if you if you know anybody, let them know I'm interested. I'm always You've looking
1: for a, kids. <laughs> you got it, brother. I tell you what, for someone who's a married guy with two kids, you have a lot of fun. Or is it Four kids, kids? How many man? kids you got? Four kids, Four kids? and you still Four get kids. to have that much fun? Wow, man, I'm
2: impressed. <laughs> Plus, the world is I know you got to fight for it. You got to fight for it, right? Uh, yeah, you got. It. But yeah, my my wife's, my wife's the best, and uh, it's it's you know it's good to good to get out and remember uh, there's good times out there, not just diapers and uh, sweeping the floor. You know how it goes.
1: You got it, my man. You got it. Kevin, man, we can't thank you enough. Did you have anything else, C we could talk to Kevin all night? No, uh
0: Palmasano was our was our main uh fairgrounds contact, but I think we're gonna have to uh change the address book now.
1: <laughs> yeah, you, you, you're good. You're good. You and Paul Misono got to fight it out to get back. Uh, he, he's big time now. You don't have to worry about things like this anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. He,
2: it's off his office schedule, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, but I tell you, John, I don't have anybody to talk about horses with, so I get excited when I get, get a little chance to, to chat it up. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys inviting me on, and uh, it's, it's been great hanging out. Thank you. Anytime you want to come on, brother, you just
1: you just say the word if we don't ask you first. You got it?
2: All right. right, Will do.
1: That
0: was Kevin Kilroy of the Fairgrounds, and again, broken record time. Broken record. An impressive person, impressive conversation.
1: Uh, horse racing brings out the really good people, so it seems. You know People talk, they want to focus on who brings out all the bad people sometimes. There's probably some bad guys out there. We know that. There's a lot of good ones. A lot of good, and, you know, and I may have mentioned this earlier, I don't remember, but I, I'm pretty picky with my on-air analysts, those people like that, um, maybe because I don't watch a lot of them and stuff. I just watch the track feed. I rely on my own opinion for the most part. But when someone catches my eye, I make sure that they know because it's a tough job. It's a pressure filled job. And I, I, Kevin caught my eye right off the bat. Uh, the times I watch forever, I really do genuinely believe he's really, really good at what he does. It comes through and he's got a hell of a voice too, doesn't he? Oh
0: yeah. Dreamy.
1: Dreamy. It's like, I'm telling you him and Michelle Lovell have their own podcast, right? That, with the, those two voices. um,
0: yeah, they could have like the midnight ride or something, you know, or something like like horse racing after dark.
1: Yeah, we we got the Michelle Lovell plug in. That's good, but I mean, no yeah, those two. That that that, that I just think it, the dulcet tones of both of them would be fantastic.
0: Doubt about it. Keeneland is closing its doors on Saturday temporarily. Last day, uh, they're going to run the. Pay that handicap. I think it drew a field of six. Last Samurai was in there in a, in, in a field of, uh, of five others. And then, of course, Churchill reopens on Saturday for a uh, maybe a three-day stand until the Breeders' Cup meet at Keeneland starts on Friday. But the Saturday opening day is the two-year-old day. ten or I think it's 10, 11 races. Sunday. The they open Sunday, right? Sunday. I, yeah, that's what I meant to say. Sunday. And uh, they've got two stakes races and a lot of a lot of maiden races for two-year-olds and a lot of lounge races. Usually an interesting card, and uh, yeah, so that's uh, something to look forward to this weekend.
1: Yeah, I, I always like that two-year-old. Car. I remember when I was younger; I didn't care for it that much. But but as a, you know, if you follow the racing around here, which we do, you get an idea who's maybe got bet down in the debut and didn't didn't well can come back, or who's going to like more distance, who's going to prove on a stretch out, or who is meant to get a start in and. and, and Really improves second time. It's one you can actually, if you, if you follow the racing, you can have a little bit of an edge. Now I say that maybe I go over seven, but in theory, it's it's a fun card because of that.
0: All right, so that's all I've got. Uh, do you have anything else you want to
1: add? No, I think that's it. Uh, we Again, you'd uh, really try to balance that line between going too overboard on Breeders' Cup and talk about to death, but we will have J.J. and Caitlin on next week, and we you know how much we think of them, right? So uh, between them and Kevin, if you can't find a winner between those these guys, I, I mean, you're not going to get one from me and CeCe, right? But between those three, you should do all right.
0: I haven't picked a winner since Sunday silence. Oh, that might be a bit of an
1: exaggeration. Maybe, but it's close. Yeah, we'll let them do the heavy lifting. Maybe we'll interject a little bit and stuff, but we're going to let them do the heavy lifting next week.
0: All right, that's it for now. On behalf of Alan Schneider and our guest, Kevin Kilroy, and, of course, Brandon Jaggers, who was absent once again.
1: He's out there somewhere.
0: This is CC Broadus reminding you that gambling money ain't got no home.